Hello and welcome to the new podcast called I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, where we bring you tips, techniques and all the information we wish we had all those years ago, starting out as young songwriters. I'm your host, Jamie Coop, and I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Callum Myrams. In future episodes, we will bring you lots of guest interviews with songwriters, musicians, publishers, and all sorts of industry experts, as well as an ongoing question and answer section fueled by you guys. Our promise on this show is to keep it practical, keep it informative, and throw in a few laughs and stories along the way. So we hope you enjoy this, and we both look forward to this journey with you guys to help you become better songwriters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting. My name is Jamie Coop, and I'm here with my friend, Callum Myrams. He's also hosting. Say hello. Hello, hello. There we go. Um, today's subject, so thank you guys for listening so far. The first subject is, mine will be ABC songwriting. I will explain what that is later. And Callum's going to bring in some cool tips about production and also approaching songwriting with lyrics. So, We've got some really practical stuff for you today, but first, Callum's going to take us away with his song of the day. So what have you got for us today, my friend? Okay. Uh, my song of the day is, it's an oldie. Go for it's it. Hurricane by Bob Dylan, um, written in 1976, um, or released in 1976. Yeah. Songwriters are Jackie's Levy and Bob Dylan, um, and it's telling the story of... Reuben Hurricane Carter, um, the black middleweight boxer who was framed and jailed for a triple murder that took place in Patterson, New Jersey, or wow. in a Patterson, New Jersey bar in 1966. Great research. Okay, I'm in. And what is it, <laughs> what is it about the song that, that got you? What was cool about it? Well, I think it's still so relevant today, you know. Dylan found, 100%. I think the story behind the song is really interesting and how it affected that Dylan found out about the case nine years later um, or after the crime took place um, and uh, Reuben was committed of, um, and sent to prison. And in 19, and so in 1975, when Carter published his, then, then published his life story, the 16th round, Bob Dylan traveled to railway state prison to visit him, um, an innocent man in a living hell. Wow. Okay. That's pretty, I like that. That's, that is very topical. Um, and that's such a, such a different way of writing songs. It's very much research. Mine feels silly to even mention by the side of that now, but I'm going to do it anyway for the, for the sake of those like songwriting nerds that will hopefully be listening yeah. to this. But what I thought was really interesting, it's a song called Monster on Shawn Mendes's album. Nice. And he's featured Justin Bieber. So the song, first of all, the production's amazing. Everything about the song is really clever. Da, 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 da. we've heard all that before but what i thought was really interesting was um if you listen to justin bieber who takes the second verse what he's done that's really clever is he's done his verse so he's kind of mirrored what sean did on his first verse but at the same time if you listen he brings in another section so he does like his own little pre-chorus so like he has his own song going on abc which we'll talk about he has his own song got song going on during his feature so i thought that was really clever um and it kind of comes to the idea of during your second verse, what can you do, whether you're Justin Bieber or not? Um, what can you do that's really interesting that's going to be memorable? The fact that someone who's listened to as many songs as I have as a nerd has gone, wow, that's cool. That's worth mentioning, you know? So that's my little tip there. Um, not from me, whoever wrote that. Well done. 
but yeah, really cool song. Check that out. And, and it's relevant, you know, pop's got some really interesting stuff going on. If you're able to see past all the, all the glittering stuff. Hmm. So today I want to go into something called stub writing, like ticket stub writing, um, or ABC writing, which I say to some of my students. And sometimes it can be quite daunting to, to say, right, I'm going to write a song today. It's probably three and a half, even three minutes long. And it's going to have five sections. And like Callum was saying earlier, we'll talk about, but like five hooks or whatever. And it's all this stuff is, can be quite daunting. Then you've got to talk about production. Da, 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 da. Again, you've heard all this stuff before. You've probably experienced it. And my little trick that I do all the time is called ABC songwriting. And the A will stand for the verse. The B will stand for the pre normally. And the C is then for the chorus. And what I'm doing there is instead of sitting down and trying to write three and a half minutes of music, I'm just trying to write 90 seconds because I find that if I can get my message, my hooks and my my interest in those first 90 seconds, which is probably what most people give your song, then I know that I've done a good job. And and then like you'd be surprised when you start thinking about stub writing, ABC songwriting, how quickly you can get a really cool idea with less pressure on yourself, but you're also still writing 80% of the material for that song. So you've still got the verse, which you can repeat, and you've got the pre that will come back, and you've got the chorus, which is the real chunk of that. So again, it's it's a simple tip, but I find that with my students who like they're 16 sometimes or this this band I'm working with, they're young and they haven't written as many songs as Callum and I might have done. And for them, a song is quite daunting. They've probably only written one in their life at this time. So if I go, look, don't worry about that. Let's get a cool verse. Brilliant. Let's get a cool pre. Amazing. And this chorus, wonderful. Even if it's not the final thing, suddenly you've got two and a half minutes of music there if you've done it well. And then you've just got to worry about a middle eight and maybe a little trick like that. So hopefully that's compact. You can take that and you can use that tonight, tomorrow when you write. So Callum. Good stuff. Jump on, man. What have you got for us? When it comes to approaching a song, I, I think a song title is a great way to starting a song. is a great way to seek inspiration. So important, yeah. Um, it's usually how I, how I kick things off. Um, and I know artists. Uh, you always hear about these artists, like John Mayer um, talks about "Still Feel Like Your Man" and how that literally Jeez. he was talking to his therapist and um, he just was in his th- in his therapist's room and saying, "I still feel like a man." I, I still feel like a man. And he, it's, he, he thought, I wonder if there's a song that's that. There's someone's bound to have written that song. And so the first thing he did was he Googled it and nothing. So, um, and that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And this is how these things go. And um, I think that again, there are other examples like the Eagles. Um, and I'm talking about these other songwriters. Maybe I should give an example of, my, of myself, but the Eagles were. No, these are helpful. Yeah um lion lion eyes they were in a bar and glenn frey literally just saw this girl um across the bar and so he leaned over to the other other band members and said hey boys look at her lion eyes um and they said wow that would be a good song and hey presto has uh Mm. we had we have we got a great song out of it and and what's great about that callum is it's kind of links to what I was saying about ABC is that when you've got a song title, you could look at a song title and it might be in this case, monster, one word, lionize, two words, or, or a sentence. And people would go, well, 
that's great, but I've still got to write the rest of the song. But mm. actually, if you've written something really cool in your lyric and it nails the hook and it's the payoff and it's all the detail in your song, you're also making your job easier, similar to ABC or Stub songwriting, that you're just kind of, you're getting so much work done um, early on that you take the pressure off yourself to then like, so say Callum's got a song and he's got three, three, four lines or sorry, three, four words in this line that just nails his hook. Now he can sit back. He knows the world. And I'll talk about this in a different episode, but how giving your subconscious something to work with, like a great lyric, it gives you more creativity. So I love that. And sometimes I'll sit and I'll do like loads of chords, loads of different approaches, loads of lyrics that I might like. But sometimes I'll just see one lyric and just sing a melody and it's boom. That's my core. I did that recently for a pitch and it's like, boom, there's my chorus. And then suddenly you've got all this playroom and you know what you're writing about, the subject, the style. So, Yeah, a song can sort of just come, to get, come together if you have these lines and you start with these lines. It might be a title, it might be a number of lines or something, uh, something you, you saw that really sparked a, a moment of inspiration. And um, it, I, I keep a lot of notes in my phone um song titles yeah. and song just just lines and phrases that jump out at me and um something that i remember hearing about was ed sharon's the a-team and how he wrote that song and um literally it was just i think it was all these different sort of things like um white um i actually can't remember the lyrics to that if you white do, lips pale face yeah there we go breathing in snowflake there yeah you go. so he had you these go. he had these thank you jamie he had these That's lines right. um in his phone and they, they were all kind of just a jumbled mess, but over the course, and I could be really doing this as a story and injustice, but it, it's, no, I it's think like it's this. Cool. Yeah. And over the course of, um, a, a certain, a, a short amount of time, um, it all just kind of came together. Suddenly he just, he was like, Oh, I've got a song. Like, you know, I've got yeah. this list of things and it all, it all, it all just fits together into this. And then when you listen to the song, you can actually hear that. It is. It's like a list. And so many songs are like that. They are just lists. Um, oh, li- mate. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Lists is massive, especially in like country. Mm. Um, dude, yeah, that's really cool. So hopefully that is, I'm proud of us there, you know, early days. We've got some really practical stuff to go on there. Um, so that's ABC songwriting. Again, we'll probably go into these again in future, um, but also Callum's great point on, can you find a lyric? Can you find your title early on? We'll come back to that at some point. But what I wanted to do now was move on to kind of a little fun bit that we've got, which is songwriting myths. So I'm going to throw a myth out there, Callum, mm. and then we're going we're gonna to hopefully, positively, with practicality, take it apart because it's sometimes it's just not helpful to listen to these myths. So okay. first one is I'd like to be discovered, preferably overnight, or, or the idea that someone will come and find you. If you're a great songwriter, what do you think of that? Uh, probably one of the biggest myths there is. Um, like <laughs> yeah, man. There, is, there, are, there are no such things as overnight su- uh, successes, right? We always talk about these overnight successes, yeah. but it's, people forget the, the 10 years that, the, the, that they were doing, they were, of, they were grafting before that. Yeah. And then suddenly they explode overnight, and that's what an overnight success is. Yeah, there are. To be honest, like yeah, there, we won't swear, but I think we both the way you laughed as well. Like, yeah, it's it's not how it works, and I think that point's great. Is that often ten years is quite a quick way to stardom, and of course there are exceptions. There are people that start super young, whatever. But there's so many people that don't make it, 
So to even say that you're going to be discovered overnight or even in 10 years, it's like, come on. So I do have another point on that, but Callum, if you wanted to keep going, then no, please. I think, uh, that was pretty much, that was, that was pretty much all I had to say. No, but it's, it's, it's very concise in the fact that it's just, it's not right. And there are so many stories like, okay, a guy like Ryan Tedder, who mm. if you don't know, is like one of the biggest and best. And to be honest, the most popular and has a lot of money from the songs he's written. He's a songwriter and also a singer of the band One Republic. And that guy was, was working from like when he was 19 or 18, all the way until he got his proper cuts at like... 27 28 and that's not to include the probably 10 years before that that he was writing music and and he's one of the most talented to do it ever and he still took probably 10 15 years to get where he wanted to go and there's other people around him that are just getting cuts and he's just slogging away with such talent and he was even on tv and work with timberland but that does not guarantee that you will be there so i was listening today um and this Again, so many really songwriters popular, just say, you know, go, please go, hold that go. thought, but this is a really common thing you see uh, all the time with um, songwriters that they make the leap to artists where they've been, again, they've been grafting it off. They've been uh, making, uh, like uh, Chris Stapleton, um, a country artist, is a really great example. And yeah. Julia Michaels yeah, in the pop one. world where they've I been getting say Julia all these yeah, cuts. Yeah um for these for these writers and again we, we don't know how much work they've been and i can guarantee you it would it would be at least five probably five years or it's the ten thousand hour rule where they've been they've been playing in bars they've been doing whatever it takes to open mic nights they've been doing whatever it takes to build up their songwriting um skills and eventually they they get their cuts and they start getting these cuts chris stapleton um wrote your man for uh josh turner um, better lock them doors and turn them lights down low. Um, and most people <laughs> yeah. don't even know that because he cool. he had an he had an Adele. Cu- I, I don't I just want to add to your story there before you carry on. Is that yeah? Chris Stapleton was twenty three when he got his first publishing deal. Yeah, publishing deals will go into twenty three. Julia Michael started writing professionally when she, she was like sixteen. So carry on. Yeah, yeah. and now these guys have their own. I mean, Chris uh, in in the country world, he's huge. He's got his own artist career now. He's released even I don't in know, pop, I think probably yeah, five albums. Yeah, he's and he's in, he's made the crossover to pop as well. He did a yeah. It's easy to see these guys as like oh they're oh you know this where's this guy come from? He's just come out of the woodwork and he's he's an overnight sensation, an overnight success, but. Yeah, often they've been they've been grafting away for for years before that. Yeah, and and there are exceptions like anything in humanity, but honestly, they are so few that um we hope that the fact that we were laughing and talking over each other, we were just dying to tell you that um it's really not easy, but again, trying to with our promise to you of being practical is that just because something takes time, it doesn't mean it has to take a long time. And you have real control, like we've mentioned before, of not just putting in your time when you're practicing, but making sure that that time you're you're putting into practice, even if it's two hours a day, you know, it's really good quality and you're getting better. You're not just sitting there all day and, you know, wasting your time. So yeah, if something has to take time, doesn't mean it has to take a long time. So myth number two, which I, again, I want to hand over to you, Callum, because uh, uh, they're always interesting. The same chords get used all the time in songwriting. Is that a problem? Is that a barrier? What do you think? I mean, there are only so many chords, right? Um, yeah. So, and only and, so many and, used in and pop. Only, and also so, only so many chords that work together. Um, you can try and make... Very true, yeah. You can try and make some chords that aren't supposed to be together work, and it might, and it might work um, if, if that's your style, but it's, it's, not, it's probably not going to be pleasing to the mass air. 
And no, no. So there are, the, yeah, there are, there are, there are the most popular core progressions and they get used again and again and again because they work. Um, and there's a great, there's a great video. It's called, uh, if you've not seen it, it's, uh, the axis of awesome. Yeah. That's really good, man. I remember that when I was young, I watched that when I was 16 I was like, okay, yep, I get it. And it was like all Adele's greatest hits, all of like tunes back to the eighties, mm. best, best and biggest hits. And I totally agree with you. And of course, like depending on the key, you're only even going to ever have, if you think about it, like one through seven, that's how many chords you've got to be completely honest, unless you're playing jazz or whatever. And, and most songs will probably only use four or five like pop songs. So you're playing with four or five chords, sometimes three. So just be clever. And, and what we're saying is you can use so much of the production side of your lyrics, of your, your tone, who's the artist, how are you approaching it? When are you using the chords? Are you using all the voicings? You know, are you using just two or are you using an octave of the tonic, you know, all this stuff you can just play with. Like it's no excuse. And of course, sometimes when I sit down and I play chords, I'm like, I can hear all the songs I've ever written on these chords, but at the same time, really, I don't if I know what I'm doing and like I was saying earlier, if I'm being smart and trying to not overload myself, I know that I've got these chords, but I can write so much on top of it. And there's a lot to play with there. Um, yeah. So the only other thing I'd have to add would be three chords in the truth. Um, three chords in the truth, baby. Yeah. That's what it is. So many songs are just, it's, it's just three chords. And um, I can't remember who coined that phrase originally, but it's almost just like, yeah, it's everywhere. Or just a lot of loops as well. Like in pop and in the country, there's a lot of just loops, you know. Mm. That's just the same stuff over and over. Yeah. Yeah. All you need is three chords and the truth. Oh, yeah, baby. And now we have something extra special for us on the podcast. We have our very first question. So as we promised, through our Facebook or through our Instagram or through email, you can send us questions and we'll be absolutely happy to go through them in depth and answer them for you. So we have our very first question from Avail Cole. I really hope I've said that right. And her question is, which is an interesting one, and we're going to answer it in two different ways. Um, her question is, what type of song structure is best for the listening ear? And Callum's going to go into his thoughts on the passive listener and the active listener. But first of all, I'm going to do a really quick run through, which is hopefully going to be useful for her and also useful for you guys, which is what is the best and almost most proven song structure for someone listening? And in my head, I thought the listening ear was kind of someone who's, you know, how do you get people interested? How do you throw them with hooks and attention span? But then Callum's going to dive into what Avail's brought up, which is really astute, which is probably the difference between an active listener and a passive listener. So, Quickly, I want to go through the best structure for people who are kind of almost like the best radio structure. If you're starting out as a songwriter, because the whole point of this is we're going to be useful, hopefully. If you want to know, right, how am I going to get someone right into my song straight away? The best way that I've found is a four bar intro, which includes your hook, your chorus. It can be a lower octave. It can be like a, a broken apart version of that hook. But that intro needs to be probably something to do with your hook, something quite clear, like the the, the best four or five seconds, you know, in your, in your two to four bar intro and you want people straight away in. And then your verse again, short and sweet, probably two to four lines of a melody. You can even develop that melody if you want something quite interesting. Um, and then straight in with your pre-chorus, like we said, that, that contrasts and it builds tension and it comes through against 
if we're talking about melodic mass, which we will go into, it goes against the style of the verse. And then, of course, as quickly as you can, hopefully within 40, 50, a minute, in terms of how long you want that hook to come in nice and strong. And also, you know, another tip we'll probably recommend is doing not a full chorus, not a full development of your chorus, because you're getting it so quickly. You've got that intro hook, you've got your verse, you've got your pre, that's really snappy. And then you've got this really brilliant payoff hook chorus. Obviously, we won't go into like lyric and melody as such, but structure, almost call it a half chorus. And then straight away, be really quick to get back into that verse, maybe have a bar break, a little production turn, and then you're straight into that second verse. Again, This you, you can play around with this because the argument is that you can either have very similar verse again, or you can throw in after two to four lines, you can throw in a new section of this verse, which might be a variation of a melody, or in K-pop, it's often like a kind of um, a broken down rap section that d- just brings people in and, and wakes up their ear. Um, which we'll go into later with kind of acting and active and passive listening. But I find this interesting even, if, even as an active listener, someone who's always listening to songwriting. So nailing that. And then again, pre-chorus, you can either double it or half it, depending on the attention span where you're at. And then boom, straight into your hook, straight into your probably developed B melody. Because again, for me, this question is about how do you keep hitting people with how do you efficiently keep hitting people with hooks? And that is after your second chorus, you probably bring in either a double chorus or you want to go for what's called a B melody where you might add in something while still referring to your original hook. And then normally, again, it's probably trending towards under two minutes these days, but between two minutes and two minutes, 20, 30, you bring in what's called a middle eight section. And again, you're keeping people really interested because um, you're giving them new information. You know, what's this new part about? The middle eight, you can either go on a rise, depending on your dynamic ceiling, which is another episode we'll go into, um, or you can drop down for that breakdown. Uh, And then again, of course, you want to build that either using a pre or the end of your middle eight straight through to that last hook and either double it. And, you know, by this time, you've probably got people. So you can either double the hook, throw some ad libs in and then go about like that. So that's my my lightning quick, hopefully in-depth coverage of song structure for hooks. Callum. Go ahead, man. Cool. So that was a great question. Um, well, this is this is a great question. And when it comes to... I th- so I, the way I read this question is that when you're talking about the listening ear, I see this as being the active listener as opposed to the passive listener. Um, and I personally find the best structure just generally is short and sweet um, and always sort of has been. Um, I think yeah. you know, looking at Hendrix, George Strait, the Beatles, they all wrote lots of short songs that were hits. And if you actively listen to these songs for the first time, um, you wouldn't find them boring as they were constantly working to hold the active listener's attention. Um, on top of this, they were also drawing the passive listener in. Um, so generally, I think that when we listen to a song for the first time, it's very similar to watching a movie for, for the first time or reading a book. Um, we like to hold our cards quite close to our chest. That is until something disarms us. And the good thing mm, about yeah. listening, the listening air, so the active air, is that it's, all, um, it's always looking for something that it can cling to. Unlike the passive air, which is great for waiting for something that is really special to jump out at it um, or grab its attention. Um, 
So this is also good because if you know that your audience, in this case, um, you know your audience is an active listener, uh, you can tailor your structure. So if you know that they're into a specific thing or they're into a specific style, it's really just about researching what's popular with the song or the genre um, that you're trying to write in. And so I'm writing this type of song, so I need to structure it this type of way. And the fact that you're trying to appeal to active listeners actually will help you with the decisions you make as you know that they'll be listening in a certain way. So that would be cool. that would be my two cents on it. No, really nice. I was sitting there, you know, and like, when you're watching a really good um, TED talk or something, I had my like, in my head, I was like getting my notes ready. I was like, oh, well, he's, that's really good point. So yeah, I mean, for me, like jumping in on that is if I'm listening to a song, like you said, I kind of have an expectation based on the genre and the style and maybe even the writer. So if they do something really clever within that structure, like you said, you know, you still want to, like I said earlier, you have a certain structure you want to go through, but if someone's listening and that was really cool, what you're saying about having to either prize people's cards away from their chest or someone like me, I go into a song and I'm listening openly. I'm, I'm ready. Like I want to be taken in. I want something interesting to happen. So yeah, you've got to be really clever as a writer. Like when do you put in that new melody line? When do you go for the hook? When do you try and do something clever? And, and again, really good point about those hit songs, even probably 30 years ago, 40 years ago, often are quite short. In fact, if, if you go further back, it probably is shorter. Um, they just want to give people the nut really, really quickly. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's hopeful of Vale. Um, and thank you. I feel like I've cracked my brain open to something a little bit new today. So yeah, thank you very much for the question. Keep them coming on Facebook, on Instagram, or simply send us an email at I wish I knew that pod at gmail.com and we will do this again. Loved it. So thank you very much. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the show or found it useful, please take the time to leave us a review so more people can find us. Please also don't forget to leave us a question or get in touch via our socials on Facebook or Instagram. Big love.